0: The simple, simple, You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: They said he turned water into wine in Cana a few weeks ago. And here's the thing, he is back in Cana. We just heard that he got back to Cana from Jerusalem. So somebody told the nobleman about Jesus. And at that point, the nobleman, at the end of his rope, had a thought. Here's the thought. Sometimes you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have.
0: What an incredible statement by Pastor Dion. We frequently find ourselves in situations that are beyond our ability to solve. We try a lot of things and seek help from people that we believe can help us, but we often fail to seek God's help. Pastor Dion discusses in today's message how you can always rely on God. Instead of relying on others in difficult situations, you can seek God's help and guidance. He created you, and He knows you better than anyone else. All you need to do is make Him your number one priority— Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of John chapter 4 with today's edition of The Simple Truth.
1: John chapter 4, as we continue a message, actually a series that we've been talking about, of encountering Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thank you for meeting us here with your word your spirit, and your presence. Those three things are the very dynamic of what helps us to grow and to learn and to become more like you. I pray that as we get into this particular teaching that we will recognize, Lord, how you encounter and how we should also respond to the things you say and you're encountering us. I pray, Father, that we'd learn, that we'd grow and that we'd be touched in our hearts and our spirits. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, guys, just to summarize what we talked about, because we were in chapter 4, the first few verses, Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem for Passover. Everybody say Passover. Now, Passover was a festival that was conducted every year. Uh, The Jews would celebrate. It was to memorialize their freedom from Egypt that God delivered them out of Egypt. And so every year from that time, they celebrated Passover. Well, Jesus and his disciples were celebrating Passover in Jerusalem. Obviously, it's Independence Day. So there's singing, there's music, there's food, festivities, and of course, the worship of God, just to thank God for, his, for the freedom that he provided. And so Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem for about a week. And after the the celebration had ended, it was time to head home. Don't you hate it when good times kind of finally come to an end? I mean, it's been this huge celebration, music, food, dancing, um, just worshiping God. And after a few days, of course, the festivity ended, the festival ended, and the disciples and Jesus had to head home. But instead of taking the normal route the Jewish, uh, good religious Jewish men would take, they ended up going through Samaria when they should have avoided it. Here's what uh, happened in Jerusalem down here in the south is where the festivities were. And Jesus, of course, is from up here in Nazareth, Galilee. They, they call it the area of Galilee. Well, whenever people would come to or they would go back home for the after the festivities, um, regular Jewish guys, of course, this is the shortest route, cut right through Samaria, right straight up into Galilee. But... See, Samaria um, was considered unclean. And again, I do this, all right? To the Jews, the Samaritans were unclean for various reasons. And we talked about it. Number one, they had competed against Israel. They divided the kingdom from north and south. This used to all be a kingdom of Israel. But then the Samarians decided they wanted to have their own kingdom and they weren't going to comply with the south. We're going to have a northern kingdom. So they divided the kingdom of Israel. Then they decided that they were going to have some competing worship. They no longer were going to come down to Jerusalem to worship. They were going to build their own temple and their own God. And they built a golden calf. So obviously the religious Jews in Jerusalem, uh, just Jews, I mean that's, that's idol worship. They're competing with God. Those people are unclean. Then they decided, the Samaritans decided that they were going to intermarry. They married Assyrians. They diluted their race, you know, the gene pool. And so therefore, these Jews were, uh, you know, saying, hey, listen, they're unclean, so we're not going to go through Samaria anymore. We're going to walk across the Jordan River here in Jericho. We're going to come up Perea. We're going to head into Galilee from this. It was extra three days just to avoid the unclean Samaritans. But here's what happened. Jesus and his disciples are leaving from Jerusalem and instead of going around the normal good boy route that they would normally take, Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. Now, we found out, guys, that Jesus had a divine appointment, an appointment he planned that he needed to be there for. But it wasn't with the Samaritan mayor or the Samaritan city council. Jesus had an appointment, and she didn't know about it, but Jesus had a divine appointment with a woman who everyone called a loser. Everybody said out loud a what? A loser, you know. She had done some wrong in her life. Because you see, nobody is really paying attention until you fart. Then everyone starts judging you. This is what I mean by that. You can go through life doing great and having everything in sync, but the minute you make a mistake, everybody sees it and everybody holds it against you. Well, this woman, she had done a few things. She had been married five times. Five failed marriages, and in a small town, you know that's not going to go over real well. In fact, in that town, they stopped calling her an in-law and started calling her an outlaw. The Samaritan's Facebook page, if she would have had one, would have been saturated with dislikes and thumbs down. And yuck, emojis. Ugh, go ahead and say it. Ugh. Her status would have read feeling sad, feeling lonely, feeling rejected. But then she ran into Jesus at the well. Jesus was there waiting for her. He had left Jerusalem in a hurry and said, I must go through Samaria because she was the gal that he wanted to meet. She's the gal that he needed to be there for. She had made, she had blown it in her life. She had made a stink of her life. And everybody was holding it against her. Except Jesus. Jesus was there at the well when she showed up. And Jesus spoke to her with respect and dignity and compassion. They had, no one had done that for such a long time. In fact, most wouldn't even speak to her. And then Jesus revealed to her that He was the Messiah. That He wasn't holding her sins against her. He let her know that she was valuable and important. And that if she would believe, if she would trust in Him, she would never thirst again for forgiveness, for peace, for acceptance. Ever again. So Jesus lays it out there for her. A woman who everyone else had ostracized, criticized, had rejected because of her past failures. And so Jesus shows up so that he can tell her she is a child created in the image and the likeness of God. And God loves her no matter her failures, her flaws, her inconsistencies. And that he is the living water she needs that can provide forgiveness for her and acceptance to a wonderful family. Isn't that awesome, guys? He, if she will believe in him. Well, we found out that that woman opened herself up to Jesus Christ. She believed, and when she did, the light went on. When she, Jesus said, I'm, the, I'm the, the Messiah, I'm the one that you're waiting for, I'm the one that can help, she had an aha moment, and she accepted and she believed. She even left her water pot there at the well, and she ran up to the city to tell everyone about who she had met, who she had encountered. In fact, she said, come and see the Messiah. Let's say it out loud. Come and see The Messiah. Well, the whole city eventually came out to see and to hear Jesus. And you know, all of the town of Sychar, the Samaritans there, none of them asked Jesus for a sign or a wonder to prove himself. They simply believed him at his word. And guys, the whole city had come out. And as they're believing, as they're listening, as they're experiencing his message and, and what he's saying, This is what happened. A revival broke out in the whole city. A revival broke out in the whole city. Guys, a revival means a spiritual awakening. All of them, I mean, came to life, came to the light of who Jesus was, hearing him, seeing him, and being impacted by his message. All of them believed. A revival was sparked. Guys, think about it. A revival was sparked from one person who encountered Jesus. Isn't that awesome, guys? So listen, after a couple of days that Jesus was there with the Samaritans, because he spent a couple of days with this awakening that was taking place, Jesus and his disciples returned to Cana. That was up there in Galilee, just a little past Nazareth. They returned to Cana, you know, where a few weeks earlier, Jesus had turned water into wine. Right, so they um, have this wonderful revival awakening amongst the Samaritans. They walk back up to Cana and uh, of course Jesus had done a miracle, turned water into wine just a couple of weeks earlier. The reason they went to Cana is because one of Jesus' disciples named Nathanael lived in Cana. So it was likely that they just went up there after the long walk, and they just were going to get some rest. They were going to get some refreshment. And as they are in Nathaniel's house, and it's just a few of the disciples. It's not all 12 at this point, just a few of them that he's, he's actually recruited at this point. And they're in Nathaniel's house, and they're just getting refreshed. They're getting a little bit of rest. And I'm sure that they're also talking about all that happened in Samaria. And asking Jesus questions. And there's this interaction and this conversation and these dialogues that are going on. And it's, it's exciting. Look at your neighbor and say exciting. But meanwhile, 18 miles away. How far? 18 miles away, there's another scene, but it's heartbreaking. Look at chapter 4, verse 46. Here's what it says. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea, or southern Israel, into Galilee, he went to him and implored Jesus to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus and his disciples are at Nathaniel's house. Long walk, great Revival took place, they're talking about it, they're being encouraged, they're resting up, and all of a sudden, the scene is so different, 18 miles away, there's this nobleman. A nobleman was a royal officer. This guy was one of Governor Herod Antipas' men from Capernaum. See, Herod Antipas, who was the governor of northern Israel, he had a, a big estate, uh, next to the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. And so he lived there. And so this nobleman worked for him. He was one of the governor's men. And so, guys, this guy was well connected. Everybody go like this Woo! He's that kind of guy. Woo! The nobleman, that kind of guy. I mean, this guy was well connected. Power, possessions, prestige, the pride of life. I mean, this guy was riding a high horse. On the Old Town Road. You know, sports coat from Gucci. You know, Klein on his booty. Uh, You can't nobody tell him nothing, this guy. He's that guy. But with all his money and power, this nobleman couldn't secure healing for his sick son. You see, his little boy had been fighting an illness, a disease, a deadly virus. And the remedies were fruitless. Idols were worthless. The medical professionals were clueless. The doctors just gave up finally. They gave the prognosis, there's, not more, there's nothing more we can do. I'm sorry. Maybe you've heard that kind of diagnosis before. From a doctor that says it's terminal, stage four. Or maybe from a spouse that says, I'm done, it's over. Or maybe from an employer that says, we're going to have to let you go. Those kind of diagnosis. That's the knot that was created in this nobleman's stomach, him and his wife. The nobleman and his wife were devastated at the doctor's prognosis. And they could only watch helplessly each day as their son slipped further and further away from them. But then someone suggested Jesus. Someone in the nobleman's family household, somebody, suggested Jesus. You know, Jesus, the rabbi, who, the miracle worker. Uh, you know, he, he's trending on social media. Everybody's talking about him. And I know you're saying, Pastor Dion, they didn't have social media then. You're right. Well, they did, but it was called the grapevine. When it wasn't called the Internet. It was called the grapevine. People had been talking about this miracle worker. They said he turned water into wine in Cana. A few weeks ago. And here's the thing. He is back in Cana. We just heard that he got back to Cana from Jerusalem. So somebody told the nobleman about Jesus. And at that point, the nobleman, at the end of his rope, had a thought. Here's the thought. Sometimes you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. I want to ask us to repeat it again. Sometimes you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. That's where the nobleman was at. And so you know what? After hearing this, the nobleman wasted no time. He wasted no time. He booked it, if I can say it that way. He booked it from Capernaum to uh, you know, Cana, which is 18 miles. And man, he went as fast as he could. The nobleman made Dale Earnhardt look like Mr. Bean in a Prius. And when the nobleman got to Jesus, he came in and approached him in desperate prayer. So first of all, he came himself. He didn't send a servant. He didn't send a message. He didn't send a, you know, some kind of text, however, you know, however he could correspond. He came himself. He came in desperate prayer. Not like the little girl whose father was helping her to memorize the Lord's prayer. And she was doing really, really good until she came to the last line. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and deliver us from email, she said. No, the nobleman didn't use email, text, messenger, Snapchat, or Twitter. The nobleman showed up himself. He put away his pride and his reputation, and he came and he begged Jesus to heal his son. And in fact, the word son in the passage in Greek is a carinho, a word of endearment, he calls his son. He doesn't just say, Come and heal my son. He said something like, Come and heal my parawan, come and heal my hito, come and heal my little prince. Please, I'm begging you to come and heal. So here's this nobleman who's all that and has been all that his whole whole career. But there's something that he can't do. And he hears about Jesus. He grabs his horse. He rides as fast as he can. He gets up there and he knocks. He's wanting to know, hey, listen, where's this Jesus? I need to find him. I need to know where he's at. And you all know that... You know, in small towns, the Wi-Fi is slow, but the gossip is fast. You know that, right? When that nobleman arrived there in Cana, everyone knew it. Everyone was, you know, and it's a small town, but everyone knew it. And so he came and he asked, where where, where are they? Where, and so they, they pointed him in the right direction, and he went over there and he fell on his face before Jesus. He didn't know it, but, you know, there's a promise for those who humble themselves before God. Before Christ. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, here's what it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 8 of James 4, it says this read it out loud with me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Yeah, what a promise, right? The nobleman didn't know it. He's about to find it out. So, guys, listen. That marriage that's dying, that relationship that's sick, that situation that, you know, you're hopeless and helpless to change, there's a miracle worker that can do the impossible available. But you have to draw near. You have to lay your pride down and ask and keep on asking for help, for healing, and for hope. You have to do it. Now, with the nobleman busted and broken there at Jesus' feet, at that point, Jesus gave a faith challenge. Let's read the next verse. Verse 48, here's what it says. Then Jesus said to him, the nobleman came all busted and broken at Jesus' feet, humble, open, Lord, please, I, you know, come and heal my son. And Jesus said, unless you're You people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, let's read it out loud, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Catch it? So the nobleman comes over to where Jesus is at in Canaan. He's asking around, telling, telling me where, where can you tell me where's this Jesus that turned water into wine? Oh, they had all been there, to they had gone to the wedding. They knew who Jesus was. They pointed him to Nathaniel's house. The nobleman is laying out in front of Jesus, pleading and begging, "Come and heal my son." And guys, then Jesus says, "Unless you people see signs and wonders, you won't believe." You know, at first when you read that, it kind of sounded like Jesus was resisting helping this nobleman, right? Unless you guys see signs and wonders, you don't believe. I mean, those words actually are about as easy to swallow as a chicken bone. What? But listen, Jesus wasn't directing that comment to the nobleman. He was directing it to the crowd from Cana that had gathered to see what magic trick Jesus would do this time. You see, they had all been there to water into wine. They all knew about that. And now they're, uh, a nobleman's son is sick. And so they're all standing out there. They've all, you know, led the guy, you know, to Jesus. And they're all standing out there. And Jesus comes out and tells them, hey, listen, you know, you know the facts. And still you don't believe that I am who I say I am. See, not one of them had brought their problems their panics, or their pains to Jesus. Who knows how many days he had been there in Cana, and none of them believed that he was truly a miracle worker, that he truly was the Savior, the Messiah. And so now Jesus is looking out at the crowd as this nobleman's in front of him, and he says, you guys, you know, you've seen the miracles. He begins to contrast them with the nobleman. You don't believe unless you'll see more miracles. This man is here based on someone's word. He didn't see anything. All he did was hear something. You guys saw it and don't believe. This guy didn't he just heard it took someone's word and shows up believing that I'm the Messiah. You guys get that now? As we cling to the simple You've been
0: listening to Pastor Dion Cordova right here on The Simple Truth. In this series entitled Encounters with Jesus, Pastor Dion has been exploring the various ways that people interacted with Jesus as a person. They got to see him heal people, teach crowds, and confront demons. It's such an array of situations they encountered next to the Son of Man and Son of God. As you listen to these teachings, our hope is that you've been refreshed by something you've heard, realizing and appreciating things about Jesus in a new way. If there's something specific that stood out to you, would you let us know? You can call us at 505-753-4363. Once again, that number is 505-753-4363. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting our listeners. The Simple Truth is a ministry of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. If you're in the area, stop in and see us. We're here at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We're excited to meet you and have you come join us for worship. You can find all the information you need at tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. If you'd like to hear additional messages from this series, you can do so by going to tmcalvary.com and looking for the media tab. Thanks so much for listening today and engaging with the one true God. We'll be back again next time with more from The Simple Truth.
1: You're the one that we can claim.
0: We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us try our hands and together we stand.